Hey listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode of our On the Pulse podcast. Consistently ranked as one of the best healthcare jobs, nurse practitioners have provided primary and specialty care to patients across the lifespan for more than 50 years. NPs are in high demand, now more than ever, due to the shortage of primary care physicians. Is this the next step in your career? Visit nursing.jhu.edu slash on the pulse to discover the perfect fit to advance your nursing career. Hi, I'm Samara Rodney, and you're listening to On The Pulse, a podcast from the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing. On this podcast, we take a deep dive into the experiences of frontline providers and researchers. We explore their insights and invaluable stories of how healthcare works in today's world. Today's guest is Carol Rosenberg, innovator, entrepreneur, and a leader in healthcare. Carol is the founder of a startup company called Ready Sim Go, which helps parents take care of children with acute and chronic conditions at home through simulation. Her research on this idea was published in the Joint Commission Journal on Quality and Patient Safety and was one of the first three published studies on this novel application of simulation. Carol is a part-time faculty member here at the Johns Hopkins School of Nursing and an alumna of our Doctor of Nursing Practice Executive Program. It is great to have you here, Carol. Tamara, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm, I'm really happy to be sharing our Ready Sim Go story. So Carol, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get started in nursing and what eventually led you to pursue your DNP degree with the focus on this unique idea around simulation? So my journey in nursing has been rather non-traditional. I started out in journalism and became a medical writer in a hospital. And nurses who were who I admired the most. 10 years later, I applied to nursing school in my 40s as a single mom of three. I actually became a nurse through one of the first entry to practice programs in the country and earned a clinical nursing doctorate at the University of Colorado in 1997. And this program was a bit ahead of its time. Nursing wasn't quite ready for a clinical doctorate, but it laid the groundwork for what is now the DMP. The curriculum was developed by Dr. Jean Watson, who's known for the theory of human caring. I'm sure you've probably heard of her. And it was really a privilege to learn from her. And she continues to be an influence on me as a nurse today and led me to my work in patient-centered simulation. But where Ready SimGo really started was when I was a new nurse in pediatric oncology. I was caring for a family whose beautiful little four-year-old had just been diagnosed with leukemia. And as this family was still processing her diagnosis, they were also learning what would be required of them to care for her at home. So I walked into their room one day as they were preparing for discharge, and the mom actually collapsed in my arms, and I could feel her trembling with fear, sobbing. She asked me, what if I do something wrong taking care of her? What if I hurt my baby? And I really have never forgotten that family. So later in my career, I had the opportunity to work for a simulation company, just as nursing was really beginning to embrace um, simulation to train new nurses. And I saw firsthand that it was just such a better way to learn. 
My simulation experience then led me into patient safety and quality improvement and the opportunity to work with over 100 children's hospitals on CLABSI prevention, including 40 pediatric hematology and oncology units. And what we began to see were that CLABSI rates were on the rise in ambulatory patients. And we recognized that parents were being asked to implement the same CLABSI bundle as nurses were in the hospital. And that's where the idea for teaching parents with simulation really came together for me. So when I began the DMP program that year, I knew that would be my evidence-based project. What a fascinating journey and an inspiring story. And you mentioned um, about the feelings of the parents. And if I could just pick up on that, um, can you tell me what are some of the concerns or fears that parents and caregivers share when they're put into this critical role of providing care for their kids? Well, I can tell you of the hundreds of stories and volumes of research that I've studied on the concerns and, and fears of these parents, especially those with a child that has a medical, medically complex condition, this quote from a mother has stayed with me. I had become like a nurse. That really got to me. I didn't even know him as a mother anymore. So when my DMP study was published, I titled it Becoming Parent and Nurse. These parents are carrying such an unimaginable burden. And there are several ways that they experience this. First of all, of course, they have educational needs. Getting the right information in language they can really comprehend is, is essential. Um, the sheer volume of new knowledge we expect them to learn in and of itself can be daunting let alone understanding, you know, how to provide the care. And then, of course, just acquiring the new skills, the hands-on piece of it. I always remind myself of how hard it was as a new nurse to learn new clinical skills. And we signed up for this. Imagine how it feels to have this thrust upon you to care for your own sick child. It, I, I really can't even begin to imagine that. And then when you factor in health literacy and social determinants of health, you can see how this has a tremendous impact, not just on these parents, but the healthcare system with unplanned ED visits and readmissions. It takes a, you know, a huge toll on the families and it costs millions of dollars. Secondly, there are the psychosocial needs that these parents have. They're obviously grieving the loss of a normal child. And then there's the anxiety, you know, performance anxiety about providing the care, worrying about causing them pain, as I mentioned, dealing with their physical and emotional needs. And most of these parents will have other children and daily demands on them as well. So just maintaining normalcy for their other children. And sometimes these, you know, parents are part of what we call the sandwich generation. So they may have parents that they're helping to care for. So there's just a lot of, lot of demands on them. They also have to help the sick child's siblings and friends and, and um, teachers, other people in their life understand this illness and how it impacts them and the family. And this can lead to incredible stress on a marriage or just one more burden for a single parent. 
Lastly, the routine stresses of daily life are now, you know, really compounded. There are financial strains. Um, sometimes parents have to quit their job in order to stay home and care for this child. There are time demands running, you know, a household while navigating insurance companies and numerous medical appointments. Those things can take their toll. And also just things like, you know, we take for granted and actually have learned through the pandemic that, you know, homeschooling can be a whole challenge um, and, you know, set of responsibilities that just adds to this family's burden. You know, saying it's a complex situation is probably the understatement of the year here. And when we think of simulation, we really traditionally think about it in terms of educating nurses, not really when it comes to educating patients nor their families. And that is precisely the point behind ReadySimGo. So can you tell us more about this technology and how would it play out in real life situation? And specifically, how do families learn simulation? So the ReadySimGo solution is to translate the evidence. We know from thousands of studies in simulation, that is the most effective way to teach nurses and other healthcare providers. And families are providing some of this same care as nurses. So why wouldn't we teach them the same way with simulation? As um, nurses, discharge planners, and educators, we often focus more on what to teach and not how to teach it. So I think about comparing the difference between giving families a packet or notebook of written handouts, you know, which is the most common way that we discharge patients and families. And what's really unique about ReadySimGo is that it allows the learner to acquire new knowledge, skills, and the confidence that they need through hands-on immersive learning. It also offers individualized repetitive practice. You know, you may get this in two or three tries. I may need five or six times repeating what it is I'm trying to learn. Also through ReadySimGo, we'll develop realistic scenarios for these patients and families so that they can practice what it will be like when they go home. When parents are taught at the bedside in the hospital, it's not how it will be at home. You know, oxygen doesn't come out of the wall. You know, for a child with a tracheostomy, the family needs to know how you set up the equipment, you know, or for a child with a central line, they need to think through how they'll care for that line at home, where to set up their supplies to make sure that they're all available. All the things that we learn as nurses about preventing infection. This allows them to understand, you know, some of those same thought processes. ReadySimGo will also train nurses and other healthcare providers in hospitals and home care agencies, which are now also using simulation, to build a program to integrate simulation for families by bringing them into the simulation labs or bringing simulation uh, simulators to the bedside for hands-on practice prior to discharge. We're also developing a learning platform that will have on-demand uh, web-based content that will reinforce post 
discharge what parents have already learned. We'll also incorporate things like virtual simulation so that they can practice things that, you know, they may have learned, but they want to um, reinforce again after their home. And then the other thing that we are striving to do is find an industry partner to develop caregiver-friendly simulation mannequins that are specifically designed to meet the needs of patients and families. Wow, um, Carol, this sounds almost like a process of empowering families. And, and in this process, why do you think this is so critical for families to know this? Well, simulation can literally be the difference between life and death. For example, families who are going home for the first time with a ventilator-dependent child can practice what to do in an emergency. From knowing the sequence of events in a respiratory arrest to something as simple as remembering to first call 911 can be life-saving. And, and we know this because centers who are using family simulation hear these stories from families. They actually take the time to come back and tell them how this training saved their child's life. Wow, um, fascinating, Carol. Tell me, how did you move this idea of simulation into your own company now? Well, as you mentioned, um, yeah. when my study was published in 2017, it was one of only three studies in the literature about teaching families with simulation. And now there are over 30 studies. And so this momentum is clearly building. And I am in a place in my career as, as a um, faculty member where I have the time that I can also pursue my research interests that really you know, feels like a calling. I've always just felt very compelled to lead this work and um, did a fair amount of research about how to go about that. And lucky for me that I work at Johns Hopkins and there is an entity by the name of Johns Hopkins Technology Ventures. And their mission is to help faculty disseminate and commercialize their work. So through Tech Ventures, my team and I were invited to participate in the National Science Foundation i training earlier this year. And through that process, we completed this program called Customer Discovery. And we conducted interviews with over 30 content experts in patient and family education and simulation experts nurse educators, all kinds of different professionals who could help inform our thinking as we develop our strategy for ReadySimGo. And um, in addition, I've also been fortunate to build a truly extraordinary multidisciplinary team. It's because of this team that ReadySimGo was awarded second place in the Global Healthcare Information Management Society, known as HIMSS. So we're very proud of that accomplishment. 
huge congratulations to you and your team. Not only is it innovative, it's exciting, but you're literally saving lives. So, Carol, I can't thank you enough for being on our show today. You're, you and your work represent the very best in nursing and healthcare entrepreneurship. It is sincerely work like yours that continues to make nursing the most trusted profession. Thank you again for sharing your insight and expertise with us. Well, I can't thank you enough for allowing me to share it with you. My, my family knows I am <laughs> constantly talking to anyone who will listen and love to share our work. And I really genuinely appreciate being here today. The work continues and we look forward to speaking to you again about you and your exciting work in simulation and healthcare. And thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of On The Pulse. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you know and subscribe through Apple, Stitcher, Google Play or Spotify. You can also find us on the Health Podcast Network at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash nurse. Be sure to also check out our On The Pulse blog and Facebook live series. Thanks again for listening.